3: Today we're starting our show in front of a building that from the street seems pretty unremarkable. It's this stucco one-story building and it's got an adobe-tiled roof and curved windows. And mostly what you can hear these days at the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Way and Derby Street in Berkeley is traffic. But if you had stood here 50 years ago, you might have heard some very different sounds drifting out the doors of this building.
4: What is Africa to me? One three centuries removed from the lands my fathers loved. The spicy grove, the cinnamon tree. What is Africa to me?
5: Oh, the
3: This place was a California cultural landmark that hosted dozens of high profile artists and thought leaders. People like Maya Angelou, Nina Simone, and influential folk musician Odetta. But it lasted for just a few short years. I'm Sasha Coca, and it's the California Report magazine. And today I'm co hosting the show with my colleague, Marisa Lagos, who's a political correspondent for KQED, where we
1: produce the California Report. Hey there, Marisa. Hey, Sasha, very excited to be here. You know, you and I have been teaming up on some episodes of this show looking at race, identity, and history here in California. And today, we're going to visit the Rainbow Sign. Rainbow Sign is a unique club in Berkeley which is geared to the role of the Black in American cultural society.
2: This is a small, intimate club. You could walk up and ask a question of Maya Angelou or James Baldwin.
4: I saw Taj Mahal there. Intasaki, Shanghai, people like... Um, Cleveland Bellows, Raymond Holbert all had exhibitions there.
0: Alice Walker, who went on to win the Pulitzer Prize for The Color Purple, did a reading at Rainbow Sign. Nina Simone performed at Rainbow
3: Sign when I was seven years old. You might recognize one of those voices as Vice President Kamala Harris. She wrote about growing up in Berkeley and going to the rainbow sign as a kid in her 2019 autobiography, The Truths We Hold. Here she is reading from the audiobook.
0: Families with children were especially welcome at Rainbow Sign, an approach that reflected both the values and the vision of the women at its helm.
1: Kamala Harris's election made us start thinking about the rich history of this cultural center. It's a place most Californians haven't even heard about.
3: Yeah, and the rainbow sign has this incredible legacy. There are so many famous people who performed and visited there, and it cultivated so many artists and leaders. But it was also a place where people could experience joy. It wasn't just about Black pain and the suffering of folks of color, but it was
1: really about celebration. And more than 40 years later, that's all still relevant as we continue to reckon with our country's shameful racism and think more about the need for people of color to have safe spaces. We also know that the conversations happening now were built on years of previous work. We're talking political, cultural, artistic. So we wanted to take our audience back to another era full of upheaval to the 1960s and 70s in the Bay Area.
3: And remember, this was at the height of the Vietnam War, the free speech movement, black nationalism, and Berkeley was right at the center of so many of those social movements.
2: So we are at the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. and Derby Street in front of what was Rainbow Sign, a black cultural arts club between 1971 and 1977.
1: Today, it's a mental health center run by the city of Berkeley. And last year, it was being renovated. And we were able to take a tour before it was open to the public, with someone whose memories of the place run deep.
2: My name is Odette Pauler, and my parents, Henry and Marianne Pauler, started at Rainbow Sign in the
3: 70s. Odette hadn't been in the building for more than 40 years, since she was a teenager.
2: It was painted. It was very warm, the yellows and the gold. So when you walked in, it felt very much like... You were walking into somebody's living room. It's a
1: big place. Much of the inside has now been rebuilt into cubicles and office spaces, but the main concert hall is still there. It has a church like feel to it echoey wood floors, tall ceiling beams hand painted with a delicate floral pattern. It's beautiful.
2: There was an energy um, in here, there was that feeling of movement, right? There was action, things were happening. It it wasn't stagnant at all.
1: While some of the performers who came through there were already established, the Nina Simones and Josephine Bakers, others were at the very start of their careers, with only a whisper of their greatness to come. Like blues singer Taj Mahal. Here he is performing Leaving Trunk. It's
3: a song from his very first album, released back in
4: 1968. I went upstairs to Pac-Man
3: rainbow sign also occupied a hugely important political space, both for the actual political organizing that happened there and for the fact that it staunchly celebrated blackness and black potential. But it was only around for six years back in the 1970s, which means a lot of its history has been lost
1: to time. That's right. We had trouble finding performances recorded at the rainbow sign. But there has been an effort in recent years to preserve what archives did survive. While both Marianne Poller and Henry Poller passed away more than 20 years ago, their daughter Odette kept boxes and boxes of archives. They'd actually been buried in storage for years until 2017, when a couple of students in an undergraduate seminar at UC Berkeley began researching the rainbow sign. And they ended up creating a digital archive with Odette's Blessing. Rainbow sign n- needs to not just disappear into the
2: mists of time.
1: Odette is particularly proud of her mother, Marianne Poller, who forged a path as a Black female concert promoter before that was even an established job.
2: This is a Black woman in the 40s and 50s and 60s doing things nobody else had ever done.
3: Her dad, Henry Poller, had a day job as an engineer, but the Pollers were also really big folk music fans, and they spent a lot of time going to see live shows. Enough time that they started helping put up flyers for concerts and running ticket booths and getting to know the musicians as friends. Now, back then, these concerts usually featured a bunch of folk artists on the bill, but in 1958, the manager for the folk singer Odetta asked the Pollers if they'd like to put together a solo show. That experience helped inspire the couple to launch Mary Ann Poller Presents. And as concert promoters, they helped bring new names to the Bay Area, including Bob Dylan, after turning him down several times because they didn't know who he was.
0: All except inside the Gates of Eden.
3: This is Bob Dylan performing Gates of Eden at one of Mary Ann Poller's shows in San Francisco. Odetta went on to record dozens of hits after appearing in Marianne Pollard's concerts. Martin Luther King called her the queen of American folk music. Here she is singing Hit or Miss, recorded in 1970. Ain't just like you. you, gotta be you. Baby, hit or miss. The Pollard's daughter, Odette, who was named in part after Odetta, recalls her parents booking a veritable who's who of 1960s folk and rock music.
2: Judy Collins, Joan Baez, uh, Mimi Farina, the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem. She even did the Modern Jazz Quartet, Peter, Paul, and Mary. The Weavers, Frank Zappa, and the Mothers of Invention.
3: By the way, that's Zappa's 1970 recording of Transylvania Boogie
1: says her parents' success didn't just lie in their ability to recognize talent. She describes a cozy, intimate relationship between these artists and her parents and their broader group of friends. She says many of them would end up crashing at her family's house. After most of the concerts,
2: there was a party at my parents' house. They're very, very social. I'm a kid, so I'd go upstairs and go to bed and people were singing, you know, and performing downstairs. And that's just normal to fall asleep to Odetta or Pete Seeger, somebody singing
0: downstairs.
1: Everything about the rainbow sign was intentional, starting with its name. Here's Vice President Kamala Harris again.
0: Its name was inspired by a verse from the black spiritual, Mary, don't you weep. God gave Noah the rainbow sign, no more water but fire next time. The lyric, God gave Noah the rainbow sign, no more water, the fire next time, was printed on the membership brochure. James Baldwin, of course, had memorably used this same verse for his book, The Fire Next Time. Baldwin was a close friend of Polar's and a regular
3: guest at the club. Even before the rainbow sign got started, James Baldwin had already spent time in the Bay Area, including back in 1964 when he toured the city on camera for a film called Take This Hammer. It was actually produced by
1: KQED, the station where today we produce the California Report. It was a time of huge change here. The second wave of the Great Migration had brought about 300,000 people largely Black Southerners, to the Bay Area between just 1940 and 1970. And by the 60s, San Francisco was demolishing its thriving jazz district, the historically Black Fillmore neighborhood, under the guise of urban renewal.
5: And this is part of our redevelopment also. What do you mean? You say redevelopment. You mean removal of Negroes. Uh, yes, that's, right. that's what I
3: thought you mean. Baldwin called out the racism that he saw. He said it was overt in the South, but in San Francisco, where, quote, everyone is so liberal and so civilized and so literate, it's all under the rug.
1: Baldwin brings this unflinching assessment of American racism to the documentary, but it also shows his optimism. He speaks with young black men about their challenges and struggles. There's
5: going to be a Negro president in this country. There never will be a Negro president in this country. Why do you say that?
1: We can not get jobs. How are we
5: going to, to
4: be you. a president? You got me. But I want you to think about this. There will be a Negro president of this country, but it will not be the country that we, that we are sitting in now. But if you say to yourself, there never will be a Negro president of this country, then what you're doing is agreeing with white people who say you are inferior. It's not important really, you know, whether or not there's a Negro president. I mean, in that way. What's important is that you should
5: realize that you can become, you can become the president. There's nothing anybody, anybody can do that you can't do.
3: Of course, we did end up finally having a Black president about 50 years later, and now we have the first Black and South Asian vice president, Kamala
1: Harris. And she says she learned lessons at the rainbow sign that helped her go on to break barriers.
0: It was where I learned that artistic expression, ambition, and intelligence were cool. It was where I came to understand that there is no better way to feed someone's brain than by bringing together food, poetry, politics, music, dance, and art.
3: Kamala Harris writes about dancing at home to versions of the Nina Simone song Young, Gifted, and Black, and about seeing Nina
1: Simone perform at the Rainbow Sign when she was just seven years old. Nina Simone hung out at the rainbow sign, as did Berkeley's first black mayor, Warren Widener. And in 1975, Marianne Poller invited both the singer and the mayor there for a special ceremony so he could proclaim Nina Simone Day in Berkeley. The press
2: conference will be held at 10 a.m. at Rainbow Sign on Friday the 31st. You'll be presented with a proclamation from the city of Berkeley, presented to you by the mayor of Berkeley, Warren Widener.
4: I, Warren Widener, mayor of the city of Berkeley, to hereby proclaim Friday, March 31st, 1972, as Nina Simone Day, in appreciation of the great dignity, bearing, and uniqueness of Miss Simone, and in recognition of her exceptional contribution to the Rainbow Sign, the Black Cultural Center of the city of Berkeley. Nina.
3: When Mayor Widener honored Nina Simone at the Rainbow Sign, local TV station KPIX covered the event.
5: I can only say that I am stunned and I am pleased and I'm. That's it. Thank you very much.
4: From ages three on, know that song
5: by heart, Young Gifted and Back.
2: So the legacy of Rainbow Sign is that there was more going on in the world and in the world of people of color. Than most people know about, period, and earlier. If you look at history, you would think nothing happened unless you were European.
1: And that's simply not accurate. The crux of the Rainbow Sign, Odette Pollard says, was not black nationalism. It was about building a multiracial space rooted in celebrating black culture.
5: The Rainbow Sign does not exclude non black people, you know, either from membership or from attendance.
1: Odette's mom, Marianne Pollard, died in 1999. But in a 1974 interview, she talks about this approach of being Black-centered but inclusive.
2: But we do
5: specify that it's Black-oriented, which I explain by saying we set the table, and anyone can eat at it. But we do set the
1: Sculptor and graphic artist Elizabeth Catlett showed at the rainbow sign in 1972. That was covered by KPIX as well.
4: Artists generally project themselves towards galleries and buyers or collectors. But I want to talk about the relationship of the artist to the community, especially the black artists to the black community.
3: And the exhibits and performances and shows
1: weren't just for adults. The rainbow sign welcomed kids. Right. Kamala Harris and her family spent many evenings there.
0: My mother, Maya, and I went to the rainbow sign often. Everyone in the neighborhood knew us as Shamla and the girls. We were a unit, a team. And when we'd show up at the rainbow sign, we were always greeted with big smiles and warm hugs.
3: That was part of Marianne Pollard's vision. She wanted to let artists interact with and inspire young people, not just perform and move on to the next concert hall. We want to put these heroes together with the children, Marianne Pollard told the Berkeley Gazette back in 1975. She went on to say, no kid who wants to be a painter can say no to math. If a kid doesn't like to read, put him together with a poet.
1: And Kamala Harris remembers high school kids meeting and interacting directly with guest speakers and performers in an intimate space. Kids
0: like me, who spent time at Rainbow Sign, were exposed to dozens of extraordinary men and women who showed us what we could become.
1: The Rainbow Sign was also a home for political organizing. Guests ran the gamut from Black nationalists to more moderate political leaders, including Huey Newton, Winnie Mandela, and Shirley Chisholm, the Black congresswoman who launched a historic run for president.
4: Those of you, who have been neglected, left out, ignored, forgotten or shunned aside for whatever reason. Give me your help at this hour. Join me in an effort to reshape our society and regain control of our destiny as we go down the Chisholm Trail
3: for 1970. (laughs)
1: And it was where a group of women founded the Powerful Black Women Organized for Political Action, or BWAPA. It's a group that still exists today and has helped foster generations of Black female leaders, including Kamala Harris. The woman who's led BWAPA for four decades as president, her name is Desi
3: Woods-Jones. She says she and the other original members of her group didn't have big expectations when they first called a meeting at the rainbow sign back in 1971.
5: See how many women we can get that would be interested in politics, being engaged in politics, not necessarily running, but just being involved. And we expected about 40, 45 people to show up and um, and we opened the doors and you know looked around and I think there must have been pretty close to a couple of hundred uh, women that showed up and we were, of course, just astounded.
1: That enthusiastic response spoke to the energy and excitement among Black women, who were tired of just doing the grunt work behind the scenes.
5: You know, we would do all the fundraising. We would walk the precincts. We would go in the office and do the mailers. They wanted to have a seat at the
1: table themselves.
5: And yet, when it came to the public policy and really uh, people making the decisions, even among our strong Black men supporters, Women were sort of dismissed, and so we kind of didn't, you know, that didn't sit too well for some strong black women.
3: She says the energy in the room at that first meeting was palpable. And while the political organizing group outlived the rainbow sign, it was no coincidence, Desi Woods-Jones says, that the group got its start there.
5: It was the right place at the right time for this to grow out of. It just ended up being kind of the gathering place. I mean, you would go in the rainbow sign at any given day or time and not know who you may run into. Odetta may be there performing and uh, people just sort of like, like going there. Plus, the food was good.
1: The food, breaking bread together. It was a central part of the rainbow sign and it was memorable enough for the vice president to recall her favorite dishes decades later.
0: Smothered chicken, meatballs and gravy, candied yams, cornbread, peach cobbler.
3: Odette Poller says some people came to the rainbow sign just for the food. Excellent, excellent food.
2: My mom was a stunning cook, so the food here was very,
3: very good. A menu from around 1975 details a lot of the choices that you could pick from. From entrees for $3 a piece. Liver with onions, smothered steak, fried chicken complete with two side dishes. Buttered corn, lima beans, mashed potatoes, pickled beets and onions. And a super salad. There was also a dessert menu.
1: Blackberry cobbler, apple cobbler, bread pudding, sweet potato pie.
2: There was something about pies, yes.
1: And like most things at the rainbow sign, the restaurant's purpose went well beyond the obvious. Yes, it served as a gathering place to eat, but it was also a stepping stone for young people hired to work there. And they included men who had been recently paroled from San Quentin prison. Some actually went on to successful careers in hospitality. But in the end, this special place was
3: never financially stable. Within a year of its opening, the rainbow sign was already struggling to survive. At the center's one-year anniversary in 1972, Mary Ann Pollard talked with a reporter from KRON 4 about the financial challenges.
0: But the rainbow sign faces a deep crisis, which must be resolved immediately, as Executive Director Mary Ann Pollard explains.
5: <laughs> as deep as it can get. We have to control our home. That is our physical building. and we have until May 1st and to raise $75,000.
1: The rainbow sign hung on another five years, but it did shut its doors for good in 1977, after the Pollers were unable to raise enough money to buy the building. Which, by the way, is actually located
3: on the corner of the two streets marking the literal red line in Berkeley at that time. People of color could not get loans to buy homes to the north and to the east of the rainbow sign.
4: So it was right on the red line. It was segregated. My parents owned a house on Ellis Street because they weren't allowed to buy a house above MLK.
3: That's longtime Berkeley sculptor and mixed media artist Mildred Howard, and she used to hang
1: out at the Rainbow Sign when she was a young woman. Mildred's mother, Mabel Howard, everyone called her Mama Howard, was a legendary community activist in Berkeley, perhaps best known for her fight over a commuter train line. Officials wanted to build BART tracks that would have run through the black part of town and physically separate it from the white neighborhoods. Mama Howard sued and won, forcing officials to put the train tracks underground, where they still are today. When we talked with Mildred Howard, she remembered her mom's deep work to lift
3: up Black voices and power.
4: I I can remember people coming to our house and saying, who should we vote for? And my mom sitting down and talking with them about it. And most major Black politicians in this area would come to her. And if she supported them, the whole neighborhood supported them.
3: Decades after the rainbow sign was forced to close because the building was too expensive, Mildred Howard herself was pushed out of her longtime Berkeley home.
4: What
3: are you doing? I'm putting these things.
4: These are the old family photos. More photos? Yeah. I was notified by my landlord that my rent would go up 50%. And as an artist... I can't afford 50% increase in rent.
3: In this film from the KQED series Truly California, filmmakers followed Mildred Howard and her grandson as she was being evicted back in 2018.
4: I mean, it's just a myth where you think you have a secure place to stay.
3: It's a myth.
4: I probably should not have drank the Kool-Aid. I think it was part of the American dream that I thought that I was a part of. In
1: 1970, when the rainbow sign first opened, black residents made up about a quarter of Berkeley's population. By 2020, just 8% of city residents were black. Mm, Those statistics are pretty chilling.
3: A lot of people moved to outlying suburbs and others like Mildred moved to Oakland.
1: That's where we talked to her in her new Live Work space. Mildred's still mourning what she lost being forced to leave Berkeley.
4: And now when you go to South Berkeley, it's all white. I could name everyone who lived within like two or three blocks, but the neighborhood is now all white and I can't afford to buy a house there.
3: Mildred Howard says the white liberal talk about Black Lives Matter isn't enough when Black people can't afford to stay. And when I hear her say that, it really echoes what James Baldwin said about the Bay Area back in 1964.
5: What do you mean? You say redevelopment, meaning… You mean removal of Negroes. Yes, that's, that's what I thought you meant.
3: It's a lie. Berkeley
4: is thought to be this open, liberal place, when in
1: fact, it is not. But Mildred still makes meaningful art to tell these stories. Like, even as she was dealing with her own displacement, she launched a photo project capturing the voices of young Black men and women in Berkeley.
4: And I brought together nine African-American youth to talk about issues of today. And each one was paid a stipend because I believe in paying young people because I want them to know that what they have to say is valuable.
3: And she's got those photos hanging on the walls of her live workspace in Oakland. Each of the young people she photographed is silhouetted in shadow next to a quote.
4: Out of it came these wonderful quotes by each of these young people. I've always felt powerful because no one told me otherwise. I love that quote.
1: It's the same philosophy that Marianne Poller spent six years cultivating at the rainbow sign. The idea that young Black people need the space to craft stories, to celebrate Black beauty and value, even if the world isn't always ready for it.
3: I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Sasha Coca, And that's it for our episode about the history of the rainbow sign. I'll be teaming up with Marisa to bring you more stories about race, identity, and history here in California, so stay tuned. Special thanks to Tessa Resacker, one of the UC Berkeley students who unearthed the treasure trove of the Rainbow Sign Archives and was so generous in sharing them with us. And of course to Odette Poller
1: for sharing those archives and her family's story. We also want to thank MJ Johnson for all her help researching this episode and to Robert Jehofsky and Amanda Font for their help with the KQED archives.
3: And to Otis Taylor, Supervising Senior Editor of Race and Equity at KQED.
1: Also, thanks to the Ale Aweusi Collection at the Dolph Briscoe Center for American History, which lives at the University of Texas at Austin, they gave us use of that 1974 interview with Marianne Poller.
3: Audio book clips were excerpted courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio from The Truths We Hold, An American Journey by Kamala Harris, read by the author. Thanks also to the WNET Group for licensing clips of Take This Hammer and to Alice Daniel at KVPR. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Victoria Mauleone is our senior editor. Susie Rocho is our producer director. And Brendan Willard is our sound engineer. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories.